Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment and Service for the Blind, which includes anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we are recording on Thursday the 18th of July 2019. My name is Judith Doherty and this week's team comprises Sally and Ian Rowe, and Janet Goodwin around the table, and engineer Duncan Wynne, and admin work by Carol Hartle and Sue Childs. Thanks to Kia Aldis for the thought of the week, and the music by Sheila Joins. May I extend a warm welcome <clears throat> to any new listeners. I hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some emergency and useful telephone numbers. What's on in the local theatres? The thought for the week will follow the obituaries after the music at the end of the recording. We will open the birthday book and please let us have yours if we don't know it already. Then we will have the past week's headlines, the sunrise and sunset times and they will be followed by stories of the past week. The service is quite free to users, but is a registered charity. If, however, anyone does wish to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, that W-Y-L-D-S, Worcester, W-R-5-1-D-A. And we do thank anyone for a do donation. We, in fact, do have some donations Um uh, for this for this week, um, I think it's three donations. So thank you very much indeed for those. And uh, we do like to hear from you. If you have any suggestions, complaints, or compliments, you can add a message to your wallet or an answer on the answer phone: zero one nine zero five seven six seven seven six six. But please be aware we are not in the office every day. So I'm, I'm going to ask Ian to um, give us the useful telephone numbers. Thank you, Ian. Yes, thank you. Uh, here are the numbers. Firstly, uh, the number here in Wilds Lane is 01905 The police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers are on 0800-555-111. The Worcester Hub is on 01905-765-765. Worcester Live, 01905-611-427. Malvern Theatres, 01684 Eight nine double two double seven, Norbury Theatre, O one nine o five double seven zero one five four, NHS Direct is on treble one. Out of hours medical assistance between six p.m. and eight p.m. 
is on zero three double zero one two double three two double one and lastly Samaritans is double one six one two three now moving on to birthdays there are two birthdays we wish to celebrate this week firstly yesterday the 17th of July was Leslie Heath's birthday and on the 20th uh, Rosemary Griffin has her birthday so many happy returns to both of you oh yes and the headlines thank you Ian <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, so now we're moving on to the headlines for uh, this week Time to enforce smoking ban. Help us stop more people from drowning. Cocky driver ruins own life. Drowning boy saved at Lido. Human remains found in village. And human bones found in septic tank. And following that... The time of sunrise at the moment is at 5.10am and sunset is at 9.19pm. Thank you. And now we will start with the headline stories and I think um, after um, the break we'll um, have the what's on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So first headline story now from Ian. Thank you. A woman with severe asthma has accused Worcestershire Royal Hospital of having a blatant disregard for patient safety by allegedly allowing people to flout its no-smoking policy on site. Fern Balkett suffers life-threatening asthma attacks and has been regularly admitted into intensive care and put on mechanical ventilation over the last three years. But the 25-year-old says inconsiderate smokers outside the Worcester Hospital mean she has to risk her life when she visits every two weeks for life-saving injections to let her live a relatively normal life. She said, every time I go to the hospital, I have to battle through an army of smokers to get through the main entrance. This is despite numerous no-smoking signs across the hospital site, including the main entrance, and Miss Balkett claims she has been sworn at when pointing this out. She said, despite the signage, the rules are not being enforced and people like me are having to literally risk their lives to get into the very building that is supposed to be there to protect them. A hospital should be a place of safety, not an endangerment to life. You only need to see the amount of cigarette ends littered around the hospital and the main entrance to know that the no-smoking signs are doing nothing to deter people from smoking outside the main entrance and neither is the rule being enforced. Miss Balkett, a trainee solicitor, wrote to WRH's Patient Advice and Liaison Service pals on Wednesday but was told ultimately there is no definitive way of enforcing the hospital's no smoking policy. 
Howell's liaison officer, Jane Wiley, said the hospital trust's no-smoking policy is well advertised and has generally been a successful initiative. But while staff will challenge offenders, there is no way to legally enforce the ban. If a smoker chooses to ignore the no-smoking policy, there is no remediation, she said. Miss Wiley added that patients and visitors may be turning to smoking as a source of comfort at times of stress or sorrow, and others should be mindful of that. But Ms Bowkett, whose condition was diagnosed in 2016, said that was offensive and absurd. She added, because there is no fear of consequence, they simply do not care. They might as well buy ashtrays and encourage them to smoke inside the building because at the moment there really is very little difference. I've been made to feel as though I am the problem here, that I should have compassion for smokers and should be more tolerant. My young life and the lives of others clearly do not matter to them. I expected more from the NHS. This week, Sandwell and West Birmingham Hospital's NHS Trust brought in a zero-tolerance ban, with smokers subject to a £50 fine if caught smoking anywhere on site, even in cars. Miss Bowkett from near Ludlow said that it was time for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust and others to adopt the same policy. She added, for me to have to risk my life every time I walk through those doors in order to receive life-saving treatment is just one irony too far. A spokesman for Worcestershire Acute Trust said, we take all concerns about smoking on our site seriously. We regularly remind staff, the public and patients that we are a smoke-free site and would take this opportunity to again ask people to respect our no-smoking policy. We continue to look into new ways in which we can reinforce this message to everyone visiting one of our hospitals. After their son tragically died in the river, Tom Jones' parents say they have made it their mission to prevent more drownings. Ian and Vicky Jones, whose son was just 18 when he drowned in the River Severn in Worcester after a night out, have joined the Home and Dry campaign. Tom had only just arrived at the University of Worcester to study to be a primary school teacher when he died. At the campaign launch yesterday, Mr and Mrs Jones spoke of how Tom's disappearance unfolded in September last year. Mrs Jones said he came back home on the weekend before his disappearance to go to the football with Ian and it was great to catch up and hear how well he was settling in. Ian dropped him off back in Worcester afterwards and said, see you on Friday, mate, send your mum a text. He said when we dropped him off that he was tired and would probably go straight to bed, but he changed his mind and went out with his friends. We sent our daily messages and when these were not answered, we called him lots of times. Ian was prepared to come to Worcester, and we then got a phone call from one of Tom's flatmates saying he hadn't been home. The police were overwhelmingly supportive to us, and we were able, from CCTV images, to piece together his movements that night. We walked down by the river and Sabrina Bridge and were astounded that lots of the cameras were either not recording or turned off. Mr Jones added, 
As parents, we sent Tom to uni with his list of do's and don'ts, but nothing about staying away from water. We will never come to terms with the loss, but it has become our mission to support this campaign. Tom was such a loss to a generation of schoolchildren who would have loved their Mr Jones. Mrs Jones said Tom was a joy to have around. He was confident without being arrogant and had a wonderful way with people, she said. He had a great time in sixth form and said it was the best two years of his life. It was this that made him want to be a primary school teacher. Home and Dry is an initiative between public bodies to raise awareness and help prevent accidental death by drowning. The campaign involving West Mercia Police, the fire service and search and rescue groups, including the RNLI, aims to educate the public on the dangers of cold water, shock and accidental drowning, which claimed the lives of 430 people across England last year. Other organisations involved include West Mercia Search and Rescue, RNLI, RLSS UK, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service, Shropshire Fire Service, the Canal and River Trust, the Samaritans, the Street Pastors and the University of Worcester. The campaign also looks at practical ways of preventing drowning, such as barriers and life preservers near waterways across the area. West Mercia's Police and Crime Commissioner, John Campion, said, We have all got to commit to taking steps to make the situation better. I have always been a believer in that we should never doubt that a small group of very committed individuals can change the world. A cocky new driver who narrowly escaped death when he crashed head-on into another car was told he had ruined his own life. Ben Perrins crashed into another driver while overtaking two vans near Worcester and had to be airlifted to hospital, only surviving thanks to the Midlands Air Ambulance and skilled medical staff who reconstructed his face. The driver of the other car feared she would die in the crash but ultimately suffered less serious injuries than the defendant. The 23-year-old of Trench Lane, Dunhampstead, Droitwich, had already admitted dangerous driving before he was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on the 12th of July. Perrins was driving a Citroen C3 when he overtook two vans, a Ford Transit and a Mercedes Lutton van. On a sweeping left-hand bend, smashing head-on into a Mitsubishi car travelling in the opposite direction. The crash happened on the B4082 at Upton Snodsbury near Worcester on Thursday, April 26th last year at about 6.30pm. Judge Jim Tyndall said, This is a useful and sobering example of what happens when drivers of all ages, but particularly relatively inexperienced drivers, behave in an arrogant and cocky way and think they can drive however the mood takes them. James Dunstan, prosecuting, said the misguided and extremely dangerous overtaking manoeuvre took place on a sweeping left-hand bend near Norton Court. Neither of the drivers were speeding on the 60-mile-an-hour road. The road was dry and there were no mechanical defects to Perrin's car. The driver of the Mitsubishi said, To my horror, I was confronted by a small blue-coloured car. Everything happened in a split second. I don't recall having a chance to brake. Mr Dunstan described how the defendant Citroen went up in the air upon impact. The defendant was extremely seriously injured, said Mr Dunstan. 
He suffered injuries to his nose, bruising across the chest, injuries to the ankle and hips, and he was cut from his car and airlifted to Walsgrave Hospital. The driver of the Mitsubishi suffered what were described as reasonably serious whiplash injuries and was also taken to hospital by ambulance. Their injuries were not serious enough to charge parents with causing serious injuries by dangerous driving. Judith Kenny, for parents, said her client had been driving less than a year when the crash happened, passing his test in May of the previous year, and had suffered physical disability as a result of his injuries. Miss Kenny said, On his behalf, I would like to thank the Midlands Air Ambulance who saved his life, together with others, and the maxofacial surgeons at the University Hospital's Coventry in Warwickshire. He knows without them he would not be here. Miss Kenny also said, Perrins was very remorseful and apologised to the driver of the Mitsubishi. Judge Jim Tyndall told Perrins, You are right to apologise to that lady because she certainly thought for that split second that she might even die as a result of the collision. That memory will stay with her. Frankly, the real lesson to be drawn from this for anyone who reads about this case is that you have done what you have done to your own life by driving in this way. But for the air ambulance and the medical team, which you quite properly thank through Miss Kenny, you would be dead. You would be dead at a young age for making a split-second stupid decision. The judge told Perrins that the case crossed the custody threshold, but added, you have already and will continue to serve for the rest of your life punishment for doing what you did. He argued that because of his injuries it was unnecessary and disproportionate to send him to prison, that he was at a low risk of reoffending, and that there was a realistic prospect of rehabilitation. The judge sentenced him to 12 months in prison, suspended for two years, banned him for driving for two years, and Perrins must complete an extended driving retest, and he was further ordered to pay £340 cost. Judge Tyndall added, You are an object lesson in what happens when some, when people drive stupidly. Sometimes they ruin other people's lives, sometimes they ruin their own. You have changed yours forever. The boy was saved by lifeguards and an off-duty medic after almost drowning in the Lido. The seven-year-old boy had fallen into the pool at the Droitwich Spa Lido last Saturday afternoon before being rescued by a lifeguard, but did not breathe for over six minutes. Andy Beale, who is clinical head of neurophysiology for Gloucestershire and is trained in advanced life-saving, was in the cafe with her daughter Jodie Calvert and grandchildren and rushed to the scene to help give CPR. It was very, very difficult to deal with, said the 57-year-old from Worcester. It's always difficult, but particularly as it was a child and there was no sign of life. The whole scene was very distressing for everybody there. Miss Calvert noticed the commotion and went outside before returning to the cafe and telling her mum to hurry down to the pool. He had already been pulled out of the water. He was lying on the side of the pool, she said. Three lifeguards were with him when she reached the pool and one was performing CPR, while another, who she assumes had rescued the boy, was soaking wet. They had a very good emergency procedure in place They sent for the defibrillator 
and the ambulance had been called for. Everything was under control. They then took it in turns to maintain CPR, with Miss Beale adding, it has to be a team effort. The defibrillator was not appropriate for use, and despite not seeing the readings, she said it is often because there isn't a high enough heart rhythm. I don't want to discourage anyone from using a defibrillator, but it's completely automated. You turn it on and push a button and it does the rest. Ms Beale said she was very focused on the patient, but believes most members of the public were evacuated from the Lido, while the boy's family were gathered nearby and very distressed. It could have gone the opposite way. It was very close, admitted Miss Beale. Having also performed life-saving CPR on two babies in the past, Miss Beale went on to say, that's why you need there to be properly trained people. She said, in real life, it's never the same as in practice with dummies. It's a person. It can be traumatic. You have to stay focused. Referring to how the boy might have ended up in the pool, she said, things can happen in a split second. It can happen in an instant. Suddenly they have gone under the water. They are panicking and the first thing they do is gulp down water. A spokesman for West Midlands Ambulance said they received a call at 3.16pm to report reports of possible drowning. The boy did not breathe for six or seven minutes before crews were then informed at 3.21pm that he was now breathing. One minute later, they arrived at the scene. An air ambulance from Strencham had flown on ahead, but the patient was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital at 3.52pm, breathing and conscious. A West Mercia police spokesman said an air ambulance had attempted to land off Corbett Avenue at 3.32pm at the back of the Lido. According to the police log, he said the off-duty paramedic did a good job. The child came round on his own and had a very low temperature when he was taken to hospital. The child was breathing but in shock. The child was up and well. And I'll just add, um, after that, um, it was reported yesterday that the boy was, who was saved from drowning is up and well. And the Droitwich Spa, Leicester Centre and Lido thanked its staff and off-duty medic Andy Beale who pulled the seven-year-old from the pool last Saturday and gave him CPR. And a Facebook statement yesterday said, Thank you for all the support. We are so proud of our Lido team. And thank you to you, Miss Bill, for all your help. We're glad to hear the boy is up and well, and we hope he has a speedy recovery. The youngster did not breathe for six minutes, um, and it was just to the persistence of the staff and Miss Bill, clinical head of neurophysiology for Gloucester, that he was revived. It was very difficult to deal with and the whole scene was very distressing for everybody. Um, so we're pleased that um, that was a happy ending to that story. Human bones have been found in a village near Worcester, police have confirmed. Kemsey villagers have been left shocked by the, shocked by the discovery of human remains which are understood to have been found in Bestman's Lane. Specialist officers from West Mercia Police were seen in the area on Friday excavating the bones. A police spokesman said 
Officers made the discovery at 4.30pm. Officers immediately launched an investigation and say all lines of inquiry are being explored. Police have not revealed the exact location where the bones were found. The bones are yet to be identified with a post-mortem examination underway. Detective Chief Inspector Carl Moore said, We are in the very early stages of an investigation and inquiries are currently ongoing. We are treating this as an unexplained death and are awaiting the results of a post-mortem examination. This could be a lengthy process, but we will continue to update the public in due course. John Hickman, a Kemsey resident, said, It has been the talk of the village. There has been confusion about what was going on. Rumours have talked about the remains being found by a workman who tipped off the police. Councillor David Harrison, who has lived in the village for more than six decades, said it had come as a bit of a shock to learn the news. The only similar thing I can remember was when they were building flood defences and found bones. That was linked back to the Romans, though, Councillor Harrison said. Human remains discovered in a Worcestershire village were found at the bottom of a septic tank, it was revealed. More details about the grisly discovery were given by Police Chief Damien Pettit at a press conference yesterday, and he also appealed for anyone worried about a missing person to contact police as of officers checking missing persons database to try to solve the mystery of the bones found in Kemsey on Friday. Superintendent Pettit said the current investigation to review the nature as of to how those human remains ended up in the location they did and to identify who that person is. He also reassured the public that although officers are keeping an open mind, they do not believe the remains are linked to a search in nearby Drake's Broughton for the body of missing Susie Lampu. He added, I want to offer my reassurance to the people in Kemsey and wider that police are not drawing any link to the ongoing Metropolitan Police search in Drake's Broughton. We revealed that workmen found the human remains during routine maintenance at an undisclosed property in the village. A post-mortem is due to take place shortly. Anyone with information can contact Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 More than th- Now we're on to the general stories during the week. Um, more than 3,000 women, men and children gathered at a packed Worcester race course over the weekend to boost funds for a cancer charity. The race course was covered in a sea of pink as thousands of people were wore jazzy outfits as they took part in this year's spectacular Race for Life events. The events throughout the weekend raised around £143,000 for Cancer Research UK, which will contribute towards research into all the 200 forms of cancer. Kimberly Degville, event manager, said, We've had a fabulous weekend of events in Worcester with over 3,000 people really rocking the pink look to raise money for Cancer Research UK. Reading the back... The signs on people's backs, celebrating cancer survivors and in memory of friends and relatives is always an emotional experience. The weekend included a muddy obstacle course on Saturday, which left partakers covered in mud after scrambling over equipment and crawling through mud pits. 
This was followed by a 5k and a 10k run on Sunday, which began at 10am. Many of the people taking part in the races had stories to share about their personal experiences with cancer. Sarah Tudge, who lost her brother to cancer, ran the 10k with her daughter Amy, her mother-in-law Valentine and their dog Nala. She said, we have three generations and a dog taking part. Unfortunately, my brother passed away to cancer. My mother-in-law also had cancer. She is a survivor. Linda DC said, I'm running for my friends and family who are battling cancer. Family, friends and supporters cheered and enjoyed the atmosphere at Pitchcroft in Grandstand Road. The candidates for a council by-election called following the sudden death of a councillor have been announced. The by-election, which will be held on Thursday, August the 8th, will see voters in the city's Claines ward choose who they want to represent them on Worcester City Council. The election will take place to choose a new city councillor for Claines following the sudden death of Stuart Denley Maxwell in June. In many ways, it is a repeat of the battle fought in May when Councillor Andy Stafford was narrowly re-elected for the Conservatives with 1,252 votes, 95 votes ahead of the Liberal Democrats. Liberal Democrat Mel Olcott returns, having regularly pushed the Conservatives close in claims. She polled 1,093 votes in 2018, a mere 62 votes behind Stuart Denley Maxwell. Jules Benham stands for the Conservatives, who are hoping to keep their stronghold on claims. Labour has again put its faith in the hands of Saiful Islam, <coughs> who finished in fourth place in claims with just 145 votes two months ago. The Labour candidate has previously stood twice unsuccessfully in city council elections in St Stephen's Ward. Green Party candidate Stephen Dent returns again, having finished third in May with 245 votes, but still almost a 1,000 votes behind winner Councillor Andy Stafford. Claims has usually been dominated by the Conservative and Liberal Democrat candidates, but the Green Party has picked up some votes, peaking with 394 in 2015, finishing third in May, fourth in 2018, and last by some way in 2016. UKIP, despite its success in elections for St Peter's and Warnden Parish Councils in May, has not put forward a candidate. The pro-Brexit party finished in last place in May with 137 votes, having secured just 42 votes in 2018. Worcester's Riverside and three other city parks are among the best in the UK. Worcester's Riverside Park was awarded a green flag by the National Keep Britain Tidy campaign. It is the latest of the city's parks to enjoy the accolade, with Gillivelt Park, Cripplegate Park and Fort Royal Park also retaining the award for another year. Councillor Joyce Squires, chairman of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee, said, This is a real testament to the hard work of council staff and the commitment of our partners since we, we began to treat the Riverside as a park in 2016. The Riverside Park is an oasis at the heart of our historic city, and this green flag is an endorsement of the commitment we have made in making it even more of an appealing location to visit 
enjoy and relax in. The Riverside Park stretches from Pitchcroft down to Diglis Bridge. The park is owned and managed by the Dean and Chapter of Worcester Cathedral, Worcestershire County Council, Seven Trent Water and the Canal and River Trust, as well as the City Council itself. The news comes after the Riverside Park was refused a green flag early in 2018. Worcester City Council then agreed to invest £300,000 for improvements along the Riverside in November last year. This followed an earlier £5 million boost for the Riverside by charity Sustrans in 2010. Timothy Booker, Canal and River Trust Area Operations Manager, said, It has been a pleasure to work alongside our council colleagues in the creation of the Riverside Park. This fantastic space has so much to offer the footpath traveller. Take a break from the hustle of everyday life and enjoy a walk along the river or the Worcester Canal where life really is better. The International Award Scheme recognises parks and green spaces that boast the highest possible environmental standards, are beautifully maintained and have excellent visitor facilities. Councillor Andy Stafford, Vice-Chairman of the City Council's Environment Committee said, The Green Flags Award Green Flag Awards are a testament to the hard work and dedication of the City Council's team and of our partners, including the voluntary friends groups who strive to maintain the highest standards. International Green Flag Awards Scheme Manager Paul Todd said, It's fantastic that we have more Green Flag Awards in the UK than ever before. Joined this year by 131 international winners. Each flag honours the thousands of staff and volunteers who work tirelessly to maintain the high standards demanded by the Green Flag Award. We congratulate each and every winner on their fantastic achievement. And I should add the article is accompanied by three stunning pictures of Worcester Cathedral, Gillivelt Park and Cripplegate Park in St John's being enjoyed uh, by local residents. A man has appeared in court charged with the murder of a pensioner in Droitwich. Adam Mason appeared before magistrates in Kidderminster after he was charged with the murder of 80-year-old Droitwich pensioner Desmond Wooding. Mr Wooding, who lived alone, was last seen on Sunday, June the 23rd, near his bungalow in Vines Lane and was found dead at his home the following day. A neighbour raised the alarm after spotting the lights to Mr Wooding's bungalow had been left on from the previous evening. Police confirmed Mr Wooding, described as a family man, was inside the home when he was attacked and had suffered more than one stab wound. They described it as a brutal attack. Officers also said Mr Wooding had been out in the town, which lies only a short walk away over the River Selwarp and nearby stretch of the Droitwich Canal earlier in the day. On Tuesday 25th, police released a CCTV image of a man seen in the area at the time, with an appeal for anyone who recognised him to get in touch. Mason, 32, of Plough Lane, Tibbet and Droitwich, was arrested on suspicion of murderer 
murder in the early hours of Monday morning and charged on the evening of Wednesday, July the 10th. At Kidminster Magistrates Court, Mason spoke only to confirm his name and address. He was remanded in custody until he appears at Worcester Crown Court on August the 12th for a pre-trial preparatory hearing. A second man, a 55-year-old, who was arrested for assisting an offender by impeding his apprehension or prosecution in a case of murder, has been released on police bail. And then there's an update in a later paper. Officers investigating the death of an 80-year-old man in Droitwich have charged a second man. Mark Mason, 55, of Plough Lane, Tiberton, near Droitwich, has been charged with assisting an offender. He will appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on 1st of August. Another man, Adam Mason, has been arrested and charged with the murder of Desmond Wooding, who lived alone in Vines Lane. He will appear at Worcester Crown Court on August the 12th. Mr Wooding was found dead at his home at 8.20am on Monday, June the 24th. A service helping frail people to stay in their homes and out of hospital is set to be expanded. Worcestershire County Council plans to invest £740,000 more in its re-ablement service to help people discharged from care homes and hospital to stay at home. The re-ablement service looks to get people back to normal and stay independent by helping with everyday tasks such as getting dressed, preparing food and moving safely around the home. The hope is by helping people to remain independent, it will prevent people from frequently returning to hospital or moving into a care home. The expanded scheme would cost around £740,000 a year and the council plans to use extra money gathered from a pilot scheme which allows the council to keep more of the money it raises from business rates. District councils around Worcestershire agreed the county council could use the extra business rates money to alleviate pressure on adult and children's social care. Councillor Adrian Hardman, Cabinet Member for Adult Social Care, said The idea is that we are going to try and get upstream of the issue by finding those who are on the edge of needing rather further intervention and by a programme led by an occupational therapist which will hopefully avoid them having to go in the acute or community or hospital setting or indeed going into care homes. This is entirely in line with our absolute prime objective which is to keep people in their own homes and sustain their independence. The aim is to reduce the number of admissions into the acute and care homes. The council expects to save around £1 million a year through expanding the service once fully established, based on just over half of people not requiring a care package once they have used the re-enablement service. The service will most likely be provided by the council as a reliable provider has been difficult to find. Councillor Hardman said the re-enablement service would allow the council to build on work it had already done and would be a step into the future that will improve the health of the people in the county. When speaking at the county council cabinet on Thursday, July the 11th, he said it just shows how such minor changes in lifestyle are able to improve people's life curve really quite dramatically. A public debate about netting has surfaced after a girl had to be killed after getting trapped in the city. 
The netting was on property owned by the High Street store Marks and Spencer in New Street, Worcester. Glenn Baird, an RSPCA officer who rescued the girl, said, We must remember, with a lot of our wildlife, it's us in their environment and not them in ours. The more we build on their feeding areas, the more we drive them inwards to the city to find shelter and food. A spokeswoman for the RSPCA said, Each year around 2,000 reports are made to the RSPCA about wild birds trapped in or behind netting, many incidents involving bird deterrent netting. Problems arise when netting is put up incorrectly or becomes damaged, leaving gaps where birds can enter and become trapped. There was a strong reaction on the Facebook page in the Worcester News after Gary the Girl's demise. Hayley Lewis said, I'm not a fan of girls. After one stole my sausage roll last year out of my hand. But this seems quite an unfortunate end. Melanie Hines said, I'm a huge supporter of animals, but the girl population in Worcester needs to be more humanly, humanely controlled. There's too many of them for a town which is far from the sea, whereas the wildlife in our surrounding fields gets destroyed by development. I walked up the shambles today, and it's aptly named, it's a right mess, seagulls on the attack, and the pedestrian bit covered in their mess. A Worcester City Council spokesman said, we along with Worcester BID work together to reduce, um, work together to reduce the impact of girls on businesses, and we issue guidance on the best ways to tackle the issue. A spokeswoman for MS said, like most retailers, we very occasionally use netting with the guidance of the local council and BID to help maintain the environment where our customers park and pick up their shopping. A boxing coach has offered police officers free training sessions as an apology for resisting arrest. Jonathan Shaw was described by his solicitor as a highly strung character after he had to be wrestled into a police van by several officers and sprayed with pepper spray. On another occasion, the 29-year-old was caught on CCTV throwing a haymaker punch at another man in full view of officers, though he denied making contact. Sure of Sansom Place originally pleaded not guilty to assault by beating in relation to the apparent punch and to obstructing constable and failing to provide details. However, the Crown Prosecution Service agreed to drop the latter charge and reduce the assault by beating to common assault, which the defendant pleaded guilty to, alongside the obstruction charge. During the hearing in Worcester Magistrates Court on Tuesday, Chair of the Bench Wendy Coggan told Shaw he must get a hold on his fiery temperament. Boxing is about great control. It's a philosophy, not just fighting, she said. Speaking after the hearing, he said, I am now focusing on my boxing and coaching career. As a way of apology, I would like to offer our police and other emergency service personnel free access to my boxing classes. Sarah Hurd, prosecuting, said officers on foot patrol in the city centre at 5.15am on April 20th came upon the defendant squaring up to another man outside Shakey's takeaway.
After the altercation had been dispersed, Shaw became argumentative and refused to leave the area, despite many attempts by officers. Ms Hurd said they tried to issue the defendant with a dispersal notice before being forced to arrest him. The prosecutor said Shaw, who had refused to give his name and address, tried to fight one officer and was pulling away at every opportunity. The court heard it took several officers to get him into a police van, but he was still resisting, kicking and swaying his body, which was all caught on CCTV. Miss Hurd said Shaw told police, take me out of these cuffs and we can box. Two days later, on April 22nd at 3.04am, Shaw was caught on CCTV outside O'Neill's pub in St Nicholas Street, throwing a haymaker-type punch at Jason Taylor in front of police. Ms Hurd said in the footage, which was not shown in court, the punch goes right towards the side of his face, but added, It is debatable... I am happy to accept it may not have connected, but that gentleman was forced to move his face away. The court heard that no injuries had been caused by the incident and the CPS had lost contact with the victim some time ago. Shaw's previous convictions included a fray in which he was sent to prison in 2015 for 16 months by Crown Court. He was also convicted of two counts of battery in which he received a suspended sentence which was never activated. In September last year he was again jailed for a matter in France in relation to crime surrounding immigration into an EU member state. Ms Hurd said, there's a history of violence in the past. Chris Agri, defending, said the CCTV footage of the officers wrestling with his client after he resisted arrest is shocking to watch. He said one choked him while he was on the floor and he was left gasping for breath, though the police said they were following protocol. All that did was trigger him, he added. In regards to the common assault, Mr Agri said Shaw got into a bit of trouble on a night out and after the police dispersed him and the other man, the defendant threw a punch. The solicitor said the victim had stealthily snuck around the police car and pops out at the other side. Had the injured party not gone round, it would not have happened, he added. Mr Agri went on to say he is a boxing trainer and does a lot of good work in the community. He described how his client trains underprivileged youths in boxing and travels extensively to exhibitions. He enjoys it and wants to continue doing that and perhaps get a business going. However, Shaw is not currently earning a living from this and at the moment he is surviving on handouts from family until he can get more substantial work. He added, he's a very highly strung character. He is on full throttle most of the time. He has been out of trouble in this country since 2016. Shaw was ordered to pay a total of £580 in fines and costs. Speaking to the Worcester News, he said, Everyone makes mistakes. This is an isolated incident that I would like to put behind me. Nobody was hurt. Sometimes things happen in the spur of the moment. 
Upon reflection, I regret this incident ever happening and I apologise for any time wasted. Justice has been served by the judgment of our courts. They have passed their sentence and I'm very happy with the outcome, he added. Uh, we're now going to um, have some sport articles and then after the sport we will have the, the what's on in the local theatres. Um, so I'll start now with um, some swimming news. Worcester Swimming Club enjoyed a successful county relay championship as they comfortably retained their overall winner's trophy in Wolverhampton. The annual gala held on Sunday, June the 30th, saw Worcester pushed hard by local rivals Redditch, but in the end the Worcester squad had come out on top in all categories. In the women's events, Worcester scored 71 points, finishing only narrowly ahead of Redditch on 69, with Wire Forest back in third on 60. In the men's, the teams finished in the same order, although the margin of victory was larger with Worcester on 76, Redditch 49 and Wire Forest 36. In the Masters category, it was Worcester 74, Redditch 61 and Hayden Hill 44. Each of the relay teams swam strongly, with all but the age 11 to 12 girls team winning a medal. With Grace Earp, Tallulah Richards, Isabel Foster and Amelie Forsyth Ball pushed into fourth in both the freestyle and medley events. In the age 9 to 10 girls group, Lilianis, Martha Colville, Eva Hind and Asha Mahanta finished second in both relays behind the Redditch Quartet. There were no such problems in the 13 to 14 and 15 to 16 age groups. In the 13 to 14s, Emma McKay, Lauren Annis, Jess Dobson and Amy Monks produced two strong gold medal performances, while in the 15 to 16s, Natasha Dobson, Olivia Fletcher, Josie Armstrong and Jenny Geary won double gold. The open age group highlighted the rivalry with Redditch in the girls' events, with each club taking one gold and one silver. And the Worcester team of Charlotte Hall, Madeline Hall, Emily West and Naomi Marsden taking the freestyle honours. In the men's, Worcester were all but invincible. The promising young team of Jack O'Connor, Jacob Cutler, Eddie Richardson and Lucas Bray produced two fine bronze medal performances, but otherwise it was gold all the way. In the 11 to 12 age group, Harry Chandler, Alexander Cutler, Tucker, Ben Gooch and William Thomas finished well clear of all rivals, while in the 13 to 14s an excellent Worcester team of David Annis, Eddie Cox, Max Murray and Henry Holford overcame Ledbury. Worcester also won the 15 to 16 age group with Lewis Doyle, William Geary, Brodie Willits and Alex Farmer proving too strong and the open team of Anthony Redfern, James Marsh, Aaron Cook and Sam Hall all victorious. In the Masters events, the medals were well shared out between Worcester, Redditch, Hayden Hill and Starbridge competitors. The Worcester Masters team was made up of Emma Armstrong, Elaine Hill, Kate Lloyd, Helen Annis, Lizzie Bentley, Caitlin Adair, Lucy Clayton, Becky Redfern, Lauren Hill, Richard Druitt, Andy Shepherd, Gordon Reeves, Jamie Driscoll, Chris Joyner, Joel Smith, Rupert Monkhouse, Alex Hughes and Matthew Redfern. 
Worcester Warriors will start the 2019-20 season with a home Midlands derby against Leicester Tigers in the Premiership Rugby Cup. The clash will take place on Saturday, September the 21st at 3pm and will be the first two visits to Six Ways by Leicester in the opening month of the season. Tigers will also be the visitors when Warriors kick off their Galaha Premiership campaign on Saturday, October the 19th. Last season saw Worcester complete the treble over Tigers with home and away wins in the league and a 31-12 triumph at Welford Road in this competition in between. Alan Solomon's men have been drawn in Pool 3 of the tournament and will have also home advantage against Exeter Chiefs on Friday, October the 4th at 7.45pm in a match that will be tele- televised by BT Sport. Warriors will travel to the Rec to play Bath on Saturday, September the 28th at 3pm and make the short trip to the Rico Arena to take on Wasps from Pool 1 in the Derby Day match on Saturday, October the 12th at 3pm. Worcester defeated Wasps at six ways to top Pool 2 and secure their place in the semi-finals before they were beaten by eventual runners-up Saracens. This year, the Premiership Rugby Cup pool matches will be played on consecutive weekends while the Rugby World Cup is played with the Galahad Premiership starting six weeks later than usual. With no pre-season friendlies scheduled, Boss Solomons is expected to treat the cup fixtures as warm-up matches in the preparation for the league season. The structure of the Premiership Rugby Cup ensures that players will receive a two-week winter break at the end of January and start of February when the two semi-finals are staged on different weekends. The final will be played on Sunday, March the 15th. Staff and visually impaired volunteers from Warriors Community Foundation have completed an 84-mile trek along the length of Hadrian's Wall. The intrepid walkers set out from Newcastle and completed their fundraising trek at Bowness on Solway. The walkers aimed to raise £3,000 through their efforts, which will support and grow the Community Foundation's programmes for visually impaired sport, including the pioneering Hugby initiative. Warriors have created an adapted game of rugby for everyone who wants to play the game, Hugby. It's their latest form of the game for people who have visual impairment and those who have lost their sight. They work closely with all sectors of the community to engage as many people as as is possible. I've walked 84 miles with some of the most inspiring people you will meet. We faced the challenge together, conquered fears, motivated each other and finished as a team, said Simon Northcote, Warriors Community Foundation Disability Lead. We're already planning next year's challenge. Nothing is impossible. Thank you so much for your donations, everyone. It's been a tough but great week and everyone has been really generous. You can still support the Walkers and Warriors Community Foundation by going to justgiving.com and searching Warriors Community Foundation. Steve Bird needed the first extra hole to win the Worcester Golf and Country Club Championship. 
A two-round score of 144 saw Bird defeat last year's champion Duncan McPherson in thrilling fashion. Bird has only been at the Borton Park Club for a year after being encouraged to join from Redditch by McPherson. Phil Shermer finished in third spot, two spots behind the winner. Meanwhile, Dan Humphreys lifted the Darcy Hughes trophy for the best net score of 136 over the two-day competition. (coughs) Other divisional winners in the largest entry for a number of years, Giles Winthrop, Alex Newman, Dave Murray, Don Hooper, Richard Plews, Alexander Taylor, Phil Green, Jake Hammer, Sean Thomas, Bill Sheridan... Jason Yoon, Steve Jenkins, Russ Cogger, Tyrone Fernhoff, James Bishop, James Howell Newton, James Push, and Alan Bradley. Thank you, Sally. And we'll stay with Sally, who is now going to uh, tell us what's on in the uh, local theatres. Thank you. Right. Well, starting in Malvern, Malvern Theatre. Um, the week beginning Monday the 22nd through till Saturday the 27th of July at the Festival Theatre is the Rocky Horror Show and that's on in the evenings, Monday to Thursday at 7.30 and Friday and Saturday it's on at 5.30 and again at 8.30. Um, then also Monday the 29th of July to Saturday the 3rd of August also in Malvern is Amelie the Musical, A Parisian Tale. And that's on in the evening at 7.30 and Wednesday and Saturday matinees at 2.30. Amelie is the story of an astonishing young woman who lives quietly in the world but loudly in her mind. And it's a new musical based on the much-loved five-time Oscar-nominated film. Um, Then also, uh, a little bit ahead, 6th, to the 9th of August, there's a production of Under Milk Wood, produced by The Young Company, and that is at 7 o'clock, and a matinee on Wednesday at 2. And it's no charge for the, that production. You just pay uh, anything that you would like to, donations. And then um, The Magic Flute, uh, the Glyndebourne production, is being live-streamed on Sunday, the 4th of August. This is also in Malvern um, at 5.30. So that's the Magic Flute by Mozart. So that's Malvern. Then in Droitwich, we have at the uh, Norbury Theatre um, on Thursday the 25th till Saturday the 27th of July, we've got the Lollipop Youth Theatre producing The Wizard of Oz, Lundy version. And then on Sunday the 28th at 3 o'clock and Tuesday the 30th at 7.30 is André Roux's 219 Maastricht concert, Shall We Dance, which runs for approximately 145 minutes. Um, Those tickets are £15. Then... um, into onto Worcester, Waddies are at the Swan Theatre. Back to the eighties, a totally awesome musical, and that's going to be from Tuesday the thirtieth of July to Saturday the third of August at seven fifteen, with a matinee on Saturday at two thirty. 
then in the Huntingdon Hall on Saturday the 27th of July at 2.30 and again at 7 is Fisherman's Tale, a hearty all-age actor-musician musical about four humble fishermen whose everyday lives are blown out of the water when they are caught up in a whirlwind of Jesus' life and miracles. Catching original tunes guaranteed to put the wind in your sails. Catch it on its first performance before heading up to Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And that lasts just for 65 minutes um, and there's no interval. Then on Saturday the 10th of August, a little bit of advanced warning, at Ragley Hall there is a summer celebration with music, the Battle of the Proms, a picnic concert. And that's uh, music, fireworks, spitfire, cannons and cavalry. But the only thing it doesn't tell us is what time. So I'm afraid I don't know. But there is a website, www.battleproms.com, and it's Saturday the 10th of August. Thank you, Sally. There we are. Right. Um, now we're going back onto the, the general news. Um, although I will start with um, another um, a special day at the theatre which was given to children and their families who received support from Acorns Children's Hospice and that they attended a VIP performance of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Among the visitors were Misha Mills and Bobby Barnett, both from Worcester. They enjoyed an afternoon of music, singing and dancing as they watched Joseph and his coat of many colours at Birmingham Hippodrome. Sarah Jasper, Family Services Manager at Acorns Children's Hospice, said, We're incredibly grateful to Birmingham Hippodrome and the cast of Joseph for inviting some of the children and families we support for a fun-packed day out at the theatre. The cast and Hippodrome staff went out of their way to make sure it was a magical experience, as dazzling and colourful as Joseph's coat. Our families loved every minute of it. At Acorns, we're all about creating special memories and making every moment count for the children and families we care for, and this was an, a Technicolor dream. The audience received special treatment, including a meet-and-greet with the show's narrator, Anna Kampkin. The show was among the highlights of a theatre experience which included making crafts and a sing-along with the cast. Acorns Children's Hospice, based in Worcester, provides specialist palliative care to children and young people with life-limiting and life-threatening conditions, as well as support for their families. A team of people helping a sick schoolboy were praised at a ceremony to highlight the achievements of children with special educational needs and the adults who support them. People including teachers, doctors, parents and blood cancer charity workers who worked together to help Oscar Saxelby Lee after he was diagnosed with T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukaemia received the Generation CAN Symphony Award. Oscar V has been having hospital treatment for seven months and his plight attracted international attention after Pitmaston Primary School in St John's set up a two-day donor drive which attracted nearly 5,000 to sign up to the stem cell transplant register. In an emotional video, Oscar's mum, Olivia Saxelby, said, 
We can't thank you all enough for the support you've given and shown, not only Oscar for the past seven months, but Jamie and myself too. Each one of you have empowered Oscar in so many different ways. You gave Oscar a second chance at life, which is incredible. He remains fighting for his life, but we know with every single support mechanism there is, which Oscar has, we can get him home again. Pitmaston head Kate Wilcox said, What an emotional, incredible evening. We are in a room full of inspirational people, all here to celebrate resilience and individual achievements. It's one of our proudest moments. Lisa Nugent head of donor recruitment at DKMS, added, It is so humbling to be part of this evening to represent the team that is here on behalf of the wider community of Worcester who came together in their thousands to show love and support for Oscar. Also winning a symphony award were integrated therapy solutions, including Karen Sheffield, Lucy Bates and Lucy Upton, who work with children with severe feeding difficulties. The achievements of children and young people were also celebrated at the event at the University of Worcester Arena. Among them were youngsters who had worked hard despite struggles with mobility or social communication and those who had made progress against the odds or who had faced their own personal challenge. Adults who helped to support them were also honoured at the event on Thursday, July the 11th. The audience enjoyed a performance from Lost Voice Guy, a disabled comedian who shot to fame as a winner of Britain's Got Talent, while Chadsgrove School Choir entertained by performing songs from The Greatest Show. Award founder Hannah Maloney said, this is about bringing everyone together. A councillor has called for a cull on goals in the city because current measures are doing nothing to tackle the epidemic. Councillor Alan Amos has called on the council to apply for permission from the government to carry out a cull after hearing the vicious flying rats had been angering residents by waking them up in the early hours of the morning, bombarding cars with droppings, attacking pets and preventing them from sitting in their gardens and opening their windows. He said, if all this was being done by people, they would rightly be arrested. It is simply not acceptable that people should be expected to live in these conditions anywhere in our city. Worcester City Council doubled the amount it spends on gull control to £30,000 last year. The extra money allowed the council to pay for a member of staff dedicated to tackling the gull problem. It also allowed the council to expand the area in which it substitutes gull eggs for fake ones. The practice, which has been seen as the easiest and best way to minimise the problem, reduces the amount of food gulls need to scavenge for and prevents the birds from becoming aggressive when protecting chicks. The council has also agreed to spend up to 144000 on new gull-proof bins for the city centre and has also looked at introducing £70 fines for feeding gulls as a way of tackling antisocial behaviour. Drones have also been used to spotting hard-to-find nests. Councillor Amos said a cull is now the only effective solution to end the misery the gulls create in the city. 
He said clearly, current policies are not working. We have a new officer who has specific responsibility to deal with this problem. He has shown energy and initiative, so the council needs to give him the resources and powers to finally eradicate eradicate these vicious flying rats which are causing such serious safety and health hazards and end the misery they cause for thousands of the city's residents. We know that no alternative policy has worked or will and I will not sit idly by and see my constituents needlessly suffer in this way. It is depressing that some people think gulls are far more important than the safety and health of residents. The bleeding heart liberals need to get out of the way and let us get on and solve this problem. The matter was discussed at full council on Tuesday. One of the UK's finest collection of vintage Star Wars toys and original cinema posters will go on display in the city. Visitors to the May the Toys Be With You exhibition are encouraged to come in their own Star Wars costumes for the opening at Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum this weekend. There will be a guard of stormtroopers at the museum at 10.30 on Saturday, July the 20th, before Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Aladitta, opens the exhibition at 12 noon. There will also be hands-on activities in the exhibition, including the Millennium Falcon Cockpit Activity Base, digital guides and sensory activity bags. The opening day event has been sponsored by the Worcestershire Ambassadors. Collector Matt Fox says, For little kids and big kids alike, this is an unmissable opportunity to view many rarely seen Star Wars treasures and young Jedi also have the opportunity to dress up and wield a lightsaber themselves. May the Toys Be With You is both a celebration of the now highly collectible vintage toy line and also of the iconic design work and art of the Star Wars movies. From X-Wing fighters to lightsabers, these fantastical designs have fired our imagination and stamped their place on our cultural landscape. This touring exhibition has broken visitor attendance records at a host of museums around the country and this will be its first time in the West Midlands. Whilst marvelling at the Star Wars collection, visitors can also take their own Star Wars selfie, enjoy hands-on activities in the Millennium Falcon cockpit and chill in the Death Star reading and soft play area, as well as enjoying a number of activity days in the school holidays. May the Toys Be With You is free and open Monday to Saturday, 10.30am to 4.30pm. For more information, contact the museum on 01905 25371 A club that provides a weekly hot meal and friendship to lonely people will be closing after 24 years. Tuesday was the last day the Triangle Lunch Club at Worcester's YMCA met because of the sale of the building. Margaret Dixon, who has run the club since it began, said, It will be a sad day for us all, helpers, members and kitchen staff, but we have to move with the times. I worked in the office at the YMCA before I started the club. We are all members of the local church, St Clement's, and we just like serving people and seeing that they have a good meal at least once a week. We have some people who have been coming all these years. It's a good atmosphere and everybody likes to come along. Triangle has provided people with a healthy meal once a week for a fee of £5 and has been open to anyone over 50 years of age that meets the criteria. The 
club has met at the same venue on Henwick Road each Tuesday since it was set up on February the 21st, 1995. The group was set up by Age UK, Worcester and District, YMCA and Ageing Well. A committee was elected to organise it from members of these organisations. Worcester YMCA provided the food and the facilities. Mrs Dixon added, There was nothing like it about when we started. Membership was drawn from the local community, some with referral from Age UK. It catered for all needs and those in wheelchairs were brought in by Worcester Wheels which picked them up from their home and took them back again. Triangle had a weekly raffle and members would bring in prizes. The raffle paid for a free meal at Christmas. The club will not be relocating as there is nowhere suitable in the nearby area to move the club to. Most of the members are elderly and cannot travel long distances. And Mrs Dixon says there are now clubs and services available which meet the needs of local older people. Um, I'll just read another um, article. Um, this is um, a yarn shop and tea room which was set up to provide support for deaf people with autism and is hosting an open day on Saturday the 20th. Wooter Hoot, Wooter Hoot, yes, or what a hoot, or what a hoot, <laughs> um, in Lowesmore, will use the event to showcase its work and tell people all about the services it provides. What a hoot is the latest venture by the Broad Group, which started out in 1988 when Roma and Ted Broadbent set up a residential care home in the city's Bath Road to provide specialist residential care for young adults with autism. The couple both taught deaf children with autism before setting up the home. The group has been run by the Broadbent family for three generations. David and Kirsty Broadbent have been involved since day one and became directors of the group in 1997. Noah, their eldest son, became a director after graduating with a first-class honours degree in 2016. The range of services has evolved over the years to include supported living, home care service and day opportunities for deaf adults with autism. Kirsty Broadbent said, We'll be open on Saturday from 9 till 5 and there will be a chance to find out what we do and to have a go at crafts such as knitting, crochet and rag rugging. So that was good news after some bad news. Uh, this is a related article on the future of the YMCA. There is still no word on where the city's YMCA facility will move to with the current building being set to, convert, set to be converted into student accommodation. While Worcestershire Development Manager Catherine Steventon has denied claims the new facility will only be open to those in education or employment. Property company Purple Frog was given planning permission to turn the Henwick Road site into a 149-bedroom student block last summer and hoped it would be finished next year. But there has been no clarity since then on when the YMCA will be moving out or when work will begin for the conversion. And, as reported last month, we understand the charity has no firm plans 
on where it will move to, with the building currently housing a reported 75 residents. A spokesman for Worcestershire YMCA has reiterated it is exploring a number of housing options that will enable us to expand our accommodation offer within the city. David Brown, Worcester Table Tennis League Administrator, said the YMCA told him earlier in the year the Henwick Road Hostel would not be available to be used for matches after August. We have known and suspected for the last couple of years we'd need to move, he said. We've been hoping to put it off, but there's been plans for the YMCA to move out for a long time. A former resident of the city's YMCA said they understand the new facility will be on the other side of the river and will be smaller than the current one. They are going to be strict on who they allow in there. You have to be in education or working, they claimed, which means most of the people in the YM now won't get into the new places and probably won't have anywhere to go. A spokesman for Purple Frog said the owner and developer of the site, PFHD Worcester Limited, is working closely with the YMCA to ensure a smooth transition between their occupation of the site and the development stage. A bakery chain in the city has permanently closed despite the franchise being bought out of administration by a private equity firm. Patisserie Valerie has confirmed it has shut down 14 of its smaller patisseries, with one of the closures being the store based in Broad Street, Worcester. A spokesman said Patisserie Valerie has confirmed it has closed 14 of its smaller patisseries, The difficult decision was reached following a detailed review of the size, trading performance and location of each store over the past five months. The remaining 75 Patisserie Valerie locations represent the larger, best-performing patisseries. The company has confirmed that these difficult measures will enable it to better focus its investment programme on improving the quality of its patisseries over the coming months. The shop front has a sign on the window which reads, We are sorry to confirm that this patisserie has now permanently closed. We would like to take this opportunity to thank both our loyal customers and the team that ran the patisserie for their dedication and hard work. If you are due to collect an order from this patisserie, then you will be contacted shortly to arrange a new collection location. The nearest patisserie Valerie store is now located in Resorts World, Birmingham. Dublin-based Causeway Capital Partners has bought 75 patisserie Valerie sites after acquiring it from the administrators. However, the deal does not include outlets belonging to sister brands Philpots and Baker and Spice. In October last year, the business went into administration after it came to light that finance director Chris Marsh had been arrested after being suspended by the company over financial irregularities. Its financial problems meant that the business was unable to renew its bank loans and it did not have sufficient funding to continue trading. Prior to its collapse, the cake chain employed more than 3,000 people. 
Motor enthusiasts geared up over the weekend for a festival which welcomed £500 million worth of classic cars, supercars and hypercars. The Chateau Impney Hill Clam event was held over the weekend and welcomed an audience of 20,000 motorsport fanatics, families, VIP guests and international visitors for a programme of classic car racing, rallies, exhibitions and world record attempts. Crowds were wowed by over 200 pre-1967 cars competing to make or break records in various classes. The Chateau Impney Hill Climb welcomed the world-famous Lancaster Bomber on its fly-past on both days of the event. The PA474 is one of the only two Lancaster Bombers remaining in airworthy condition of the 7,377 that were originally built. Also throughout the weekend was the Damon Drome Motorcycle Stunt Show. Riders displayed their skills and death-defying tricks in performances on a vertical raceway. Other highlights for families included the chance to off-road in tanks on a custom-built track, Land Rover driving experiences, Seven Valley steam train, static aero engine, a world record attempt at drifting into a parallel parking space and remote control boat racing on the River Solwarp. This year the event boosted Cordwell Children, a charity which provides disabled children, providing access to the services, equipment, therapies and treatments that they need. Rod Spollen, Managing Director of Greyfort Group, which operates the event, said... Chateau Impney Hill Climb set up to realise the childhood dreams of three generations of motoring enthusiasts prides itself on being the Midlands' most stylish and relaxed summer garden party. With cricket fever gripping the nation after England's World Cup win, Worcestershire County Cricket Club is encouraging people of all ages to take up the sport. On the Worcestershire County Cricket Club website, there is a new section named Inspire a Generation, where young people can sign up to receive one of 100 cricket starter packs. These are bags including a bat, ball, a set of stumps and will be given to the winners of a free-to-enter competition available via the page. In addition, there are also free tickets to T20 Blast fixtures at New Road which will be handed out to lucky winners and their families. With the touring Australian team coming to New Road on August the 5th, there will also be an opportunity for young cricketers from across the county to take part in the Ashes Camp, where they can play the sport and meet some of the players. There will be two Ashes Camps, one for kids aged 5 to 14 years and another for those aged 10 to 16. Tom Raymond Hill, Cricket Development Director for Worcestershire Cricket, said With the World Cup win over the weekend, we really want to make the most of the buzz created by it and spread the word to as many people as possible that play cricket and that cricket is a great game to play. As far as the county is concerned, it is great to have two World Cup finalists in Moeen Ali and Martin Guptill here this summer. As much as we want people to get active and be part of a team, there are other things that set cricket apart among other sports, such as the spirit of the game. 
Another thing we are really keen to promote in our women's softball is our women's softball cricket. This is free to enter for women over the age of 14 and is a really fun eight-player easy game of softball cricket. For club cricketers, there is also a section of the website where you can find a club near you. See wccc.co.uk for more. Families and visitors of all ages gathered at a Worcester school for its annual summer fete. More than 100 people came to Dines Green Primary School for the fete, taking part in activities including raffles, tombolas and games, as well as an opportunity to throw wet sponges at head teacher Andrew Morley to raise money for the school. One highlight was the Dines Green Bake Off competition, with Councillor Richard Udall amongst the judges. The winner, as decided by the judges, was a moist and very tasty Victoria sponge made by Lorna Bate, Dines Green PTA member. The organisers of the fete are still waiting for the final total to be counted, with more expected from sales at the event. Representatives from West Mercia Police and Herefordshire and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue Service were also there, alongside Fortis Living and other local groups. Councillor Udall said, It was a great afternoon. Lots of fun was had. Everybody enjoyed themselves. And thankfully, the weather stayed good for us. Dines Green is a strong community and events like the Summer Fete really helped to bring people together. It was very pleasing to see so much local support for the school. It's had difficult times, but thankfully the school is now improving. Events like the Summer Fete have really helped to ensure the school remains at the very heart of the community. A charity cake decorating competition is set to take place next month. The Great Worcester Cake Off, organised by Cookmate Cookery School in Broad Street, Worcester, will take place on Saturday, August the 10th and Saturday, August the 17th. Those taking part are asked to take their pre-decorated cake to the straw on August the 17th, where it will be put out on display and the public can vote for the best cake. The previous Saturday, there will be a call for all budding junior bakers to hand in their decorated bakes. All entries must be in the store by noon and voting will be from noon to 4pm. There will be a winner's cup for the adults and first, second and third prize medals for the junior competition. The winners will be announced in straw and on their Facebook page at 5.30pm on August the 17th. Entry is £1, with all proceeds going to the Megan Baker House Children's Charity. And then this is the Bishop's Column, Right Reverend Dr John Ing. On Sunday, when many... Very many people were glued to their televisions, flicking between cricket and tennis. A large number of us were enjoying a real treat at the commandery for the final performance of Pride and quite a lot of Prejudice, this year's outside production by Worcester Repertory Theatre. These productions have become a fixture of the Worcester calendar and a highlight of the summer for me. This one, written by Chris Yeager and directed by Ben Humphrey, was a tour de force. The weather was perfect and showed the glorious venue of the commandery at its best. We came home to catch up on the serious business of sport in the evening. 
Chris Yeager has recently left Worcester Live and we owe him a great debt of gratitude for all he has done for the arts in Worcester. Under him, Worcester Live has made a very significant contribution to artistic endeavour, but also, crucially, to community building. This particular highly accessible play was Vintage Jaeger. Hugely entertaining, immensely funny, appallingly bawdy, and bearing only a passing resemblance to the novel by Jane Austen. It was a sort of midsummer pantomime, and none the worse for that. It was brilliantly directed by Ben Humphrey and the production was given an extra special ending when Genevieve Lowe, who played the heroine Lizzie Burnett, was actually proposed to on stage. And there is a photo of her fiancé kneeling down with a little box obviously containing a ring and her, her with a huge smile on her face. Christians believe that our human loves are a reflection of the God who is love, whose love was shown in Jesus. There were lots of laughs in this production, and I believe laughter to be a very godly thing. In one of Christopher Fry's plays, an ageing couple talk of decay and mortality. Shall we laugh, asks the man. For what reason, asks the woman. For the reason of laughter, is the reply, since laughter is the surest touch of genius in creation. Would you ever have thought of it? That same laughter, madam, is an irrelevancy which almost amounts to revelation. Um, right uh, now there's a coffee shop on almost every corner in Worcester so we asked our readers to recommend their favourite in the city this was their response Emily Booth said Café Bolero in St Nicholas Street serves the best coffee Joe Lyons claims Coffee Hash One in Pump Street is her favourite adding it's got a lovely atmosphere staff are friendly and they offer a refillable teapot for free. The cafe is also dog-friendly. Thomas Lloyd said, House of Coffee by Elgar Statue. They do the best skinny frappuccino mocha in town. Luke Smith said, I don't go to chains. I like Francini Cafe de Columbia in town, the pump house and the coffee shop in the cathedral. Sandra O'Brien Jones enjoys visiting the Viaduct Cafe by the River Seven. She claims it's her favourite place with its lovely views and great food and drink. She also likes the fact that dogs are allowed in the cafe. Keely Hughes said, Coffee 45, this is a lovely little coffee shop that's dog friendly and great for kids. It's nice that I can take my nephew here so he can play with the Lego and the staff are always very welcoming. Wayne Price said, House of Coffee by the Elgar Statue. The staff are ace and they serve the best food. It's an independent, honest business. If you haven't tried it, give it a go. Stuart Lane said, Definitely Paradiddles Music Cafe Bar, as it has great coffee. It has a fantastic little sun trap of a garden, as well as a licensed bar and also doubles up as a magnificent intimate live music venue. Natalie Jenkins said, Furless Cafe in New Road is the best. Great prices, fantastic service and a view of the cathedral you can't see anywhere else in Worcester. Alison Townsend said, Be the Change Cafe as they have such a fabulous range of plant milk options for their coffees. The food and staff are great too. I also like Paradiddles, Commandery Museum Coffee Shop and Wayland's Yard 
as they all have nice coffee and vegan cakes. I'll always support independent coffee shops over the chains ones. Mandy Fretwell said, The Commandery in Sidbury do good coffee with a lovely outdoor seating area. They are friendly staff and I can recommend the toasties. You can just go to the coffee shop without visiting the museum if you wish. Right, um, well that is the end of um, all the general news and um, it just um, um, remains for me, well first of all to read the thought for the day which is taken from Mark chapter 9 verses 34 and 35. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now it just um, leaves me, it remains for me, Judith Doherty, to thank Duncan Wynne and my fellow readers, Janet Goodwin, Sally and Ian Rowe, for their contributions this week. And to sign off, hope and hope you all have a good week. The obituaries will follow the music. Um, now, the obituaries. Um, I just have the first two where the funerals have already taken place. First of all, Richmond Arthur Evans, known as Rich, of Cotheridge, Worcester, died peacefully on June the 11th, aged 89, and he will be sadly missed by his family and friends. The funeral service was at the Vale Crematorium, um, or will be tomorrow, July the 19th, which obviously is after you will receive these recordings. And um, there were family flowers only, but donations for St John's Ambulance um, was sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housewell Road, Morven, WR 141TL. And Christopher Paul Langham, known as Oggy, aged 36 years. It is with great sadness we have to announce that Chris passed away on Wednesday the 3rd of July. Dearly loved son of John and Deb and much loved brother to Nick and brother-in-law to Emmy. Wonderful uncle to Maya and Honey and a beloved grandson, nephew and cousin. Chris will be greatly missed by all of his family and friends. A service to celebrate Christopher's life um, is going to take place again tomorrow at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, 1pm. Uh, Chris was an avid Birmingham City supporter um, and they were asked to, to wear something royal blue and white. Donations, if desired, to be divided between the Salvation Army and Whippet Rescue and may be sent to Thomas Brothers, the Funeral Directors, Birchfield House, 494 Eversham Road, Redditch, B. 975JF 
and the remainder um, are all in, um, to, to take place. Margaret Ruth Simon, known as Ruth, died peacefully on July the 2nd at County Hospital Hereford. Um, Ruth will be sorely missed by her husband George, son Alistair, and grandchildren Alice and William, as well as family and friends. The funeral will be at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, July the 22nd at 10.45am. Please wear cheerful colours. Family flowers only, donation in Ruth's memory in favour of St Michael's Hospice can be sent to Emma Boston, that's B-O-U-S-T-O-N, Funeral Directors, 50 High Street, Bromyard, Herefordshire, HR 74AE. Brian Andrew Fallon of Worcester passed away peacefully on June the 20th, aged 86. Graveside service at Astwood Cemetery on Monday, July the 22nd at 11am. Family flowers only, please, uh, may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68 to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR 37EU. Charles Henry Wood, Charlie or Chaz, retired builder. Dad died peacefully on July the 4th, 2019. He was loved by his family, good fun to be around, and will be remembered by many. Now reunited with his late wife, Kath, he missed her every day. Colin Howard Biggs. Sadly passed away on July the 6th, 2019, aged 73. He will be missed by all his family and friends. The service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on July the 24th at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, to the Hop Pole Inn for their current charity events. All inquiries to George Crump and Son, 01905 77 3339 Kenneth Todd Ken died on July the 4th 2019 sadly missed and surrounded by love funeral service at Worcester crematorium on Tuesday July the 30th at 12:15 p.m. family flowers only but if desired donations for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to FW Spilsbury Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housewell Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL. And colours are encouraged. Beryl Ann Hayden of St John's Worcester passed away in hospital on July the 2nd, aged 80 years. A loving wife, mother and grandmother. An angel in disguise who will be sadly missed. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday, July the 24th at 12.15pm, followed by internment at St John's Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the RSPCA or Dogs Trust may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 Ombersley Road, Worcester. Carolyn Ann, Sto- uh, Carolyn Ann Holloway, née Stokes, passed away peacefully on July the 13th, 2019, 
aged 66 years. A private service will be held. Inquiries to Worcester Funeral Service 01905 23499. Peter Morgan, Pete, passed away suddenly on June the 25th, aged 73 years, after a short battle with cancer. He will be sadly missed for both his sense of humour and storytelling by wife Leslie, children Tony, Jeanette and Gareth, his sister Glenys and grandchildren. Family and friends are invited to attend a cremation service which will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, July the 24th at 1.45pm. Family flowers only but donations, if desired, can be made to Pancreatic Cancer UK and sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT, telephone 01905 748811. Rita Baldwin sadly passed away on July the 3rd, aged 86. Wife of George, adored mum of Sheila and son-in-law Mick. Much love gran and great gran. Funeral service and interment at um, St. Leonard's Church, Cotheridge, on Thursday, July the 25th at 12 noon. Family flowers or donations to Alzheimer's Research UK, uh, care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 748811. Barbara Stella Dodds passed away July the 2nd at Dorset House Nursing Home, Droitwich, aged 97. Much loved mother of Heather and grandmother of Sally. Funeral service at St Andrew's Church, Ombersley, on Monday, July the 22nd at 2pm. No flowers, please, but donations, if desired, to Ombersley Church towards 200 <coughs> appeal and or Cats Protection Care of George Crump and Son, Hanbury Road, Droitwich, WR9 8PW. <coughs> and Alan <coughs> Timothy Griffiths. It is with heavy hearts that we announce that our beloved brother Alan passed away at St Richard's Hospice on Thursday, July the 11th, with Carol by his side. He was very much loved and missed by his sisters Anne and Carol, brother-in-law Dave and Julian, and his nephew and nieces. Alan has been a fighter all his life, but this time was all too much, and he is finally free from all pain. Funeral arrangements have been made with AV Band for Friday, July the 26th, at 2.30pm at Worcester Crematorium. We request family flowers only. Donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice. Matthew Peter Johnson, formerly of the King's School, Worcester, passed away in hospital on July the 3rd, aged 33 years. Much-loved son of Peter and Maggie and brother of Sam and Emma. Service of Thanksgiving at Worcester Cathedral on Thursday, July the 25th at 2pm. Family flowers only but donations, if desired, for the QEHB, sorry, QEHB, yes, I think that is, charity may be left on the collection plate at the cathedral or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 Ombersley Road, Worcester. And finally, Violet Smith, Vi, peacefully fell asleep on Tuesday, June the 18th, 2019, aged 92 years. 
Mum, Nan and Great Nan, loved and missed by all the people, by all the family, reunited with her beloved Cyril. Funeral to be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, July the 29th at 12.15pm. Flowers, welcome. Sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 748811. And our thoughts and prayers go to all those who have lost loved ones recently. And now it just remains for me to say thank you to Sally and Ian Rowe and Janet Goodwin and Duncan Wynn, our engineer. Um, there was Carol Hartle and Sue Childs um, doing the clerical duties. So thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.